feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? And welcome to Will This Be on the Test. I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we talk about bad TV we watched this week. We watched really any bad TV this week. We watched Tick, Tick, Boom, which we actually... That was actually good. Okay. Wow. Um, uh, we haven't watched bad TV this week. We've watched a good movie this week. Yeah. And it's funny because if you've listened in the past, you know how much Austin hates rent and so he assumed he would hate jonathan larson yeah well this was like it was like proto rent but like without glorifying these bohemians so it's like look at how bad this guy fucked up bohemians yeah the actual musical is kind of in between the two in terms of that because this was definitely modified to be more of a um biography slash musical i liked how it opened with everything you're about to see is true except for the parts that jonathan made up <laughs> yep. And Andrew Garfield. Phenomenal. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, uh, Spider-Man can sing and dance. And so can the other Spider-Man, Tom Holland, it turns out. Or yeah. At least we know for sure he can dance. So, I mean, if you have not watched the lip sync battle between him and Zendaya, like, it's something else. Watch him. Yeah. I, we didn't watch her yet. It was baffling, but surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. So we are coming at you from our recently renovated master bedroom, which is a little echoey because there is literally nothing in here but this corner that we have blocked off with a moving blanket. Yeah. It's actually closer to what we had when we first started, but with some slightly fancier equipment. Yep. But the haunted podcast closet is nearby, and we are hoping to wrap up at least making sure the ceiling won't cave in in the next day or two. And then ultimately, I still plan to open the wall. Austin does not like that I plan to open the wall. No, it's no. I think he like he's like, oh, it's impractical. But I really think he thinks it's going to be like the sarcophagus that they unearthed right before like everything went to hell across yeah. the earth. But that also means that our house is the epicenter of all of this. And wouldn't you want to know like what house we need to burn down to make all of this stop? I mean, we already want to burn down this house. I don't think we need to add another reason to the list. Okay, I don't want to burn down this house now that we have put in this floor. That this took too long. Okay. But yeah, so if you want updates on all of that, check me out on TikTok. And by me, I do mean me because Austin makes guest appearances more than anything at this point. Uh, It is on the test pod on TikTok. You'll see the renovations. You'll see I'll give some tips on how to do stuff sometimes. And we are ultimately also going to put like short fun facts that we've learned that aren't enough for an episode. And also, I kind of love being an old person on TikTok. (laughs) Yep, she'll sit, she'll sit there, she'll put her greeting glasses on, put down her knitting, and say, what's with the tickety-talks? I do call it the tickety-talks, but it's really funny that he thinks I could potentially ever have the coordination to be a knitter. That's true. Thing, like Stereotypical old lady things. All right, so I believe you go first this I week. I do go first oh, this week. Oh, we are uh, every other week now. Yep. Because exhaustion and yeah. being in our 30s. So, yeah, I get to go first, and just so everybody knows, I'm talking about an environmental thing again. Austin is super into environmentalism. I I love it. It's almost like, you know, the world is about to die or something. But at least we still have TikTok and the metaverse. Oh, God, metaverse. It's like Microsoft is buying into it. It's like, don't do this, Microsoft. Don't, don't do this. 
Microsoft just bought up a ton of other stuff. Yeah, like, that's they bought uh, Blizzard and Activision, the game company that like you know makes things like World of Warcraft with the with the idea of the metaverse so it's like vr world of warcraft and it's like but oh no ea is still its own thing i think i don't know it, I, or is bethesda i don't know if that's the same company completely different companies you've listed three different companies i don't do video games to speak of i know it's true you play animal crossing which is nintendo yes and i feel like nintendo will like be one of the last holdouts in the end yeah, Nintendo will be. Nintendo will still be making Mario Kart games. Isn't once the Mario guy who runs Nintendo US his last name like Bowser or something? Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I'm talking about an environmental thing again, but I just wanted to tell you what inspired me to talk about this one this week because Elon Musk has a lot of bad ideas, and I don't feel like we talk about how bad his ideas are often enough. I mean, you and I do. We do, but, but I'm like, also like legitimately terrified of him. He's a he's a Bond villain. Like, him and Jeff Bezos, both Bond villains at this point. And Mark Zuckerberg. But Zuckerberg at least looks kind of confused about how it happens. He's, like, he's not a Bond villain. He's like a... Bond parody villain? No, he's not even a parody. He's like a bad, like, the knockoff Bond. It's like, yep, it's I'm, I'm Jimmy Bourne. I liked how they referred to him, I think it was him, as on Saturday Night Live, which was a professional human impersonator. <laughs> So anyway, let me talk about one of his bad ideas, specifically his boring company and the tunnels that are going to fix traffic. Now, by boring, do you mean like dull or do you mean like boring, like digging into the earth? Like boring as in digging into the earth. Because I feel like this, compared to some of his other companies, this could be both. I thought you were going for the double entendre, man. You should just own it. No, 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 no. He absolutely went for the double entendre. Like, this is completely intentional because LOL, so random, my boring company, haha. So, well, anyway... Uh, right now in Las Vegas, um, some tunnels have been dug in the convention center to help ease traffic. So basically, they go, it's a huge convention center. They go from one end of, the other, of it to the other, underneath of it. And its it used to be a 20-minute walk. But now, because of these uh, self-driving Teslas in this tunnel underneath of it uh, that, that, can, that take you down this 1.7-mile tunnel, it is about a 20-minute uh, drive in a tunnel. I've been to Vegas a couple of times. I really like Vegas. I have never thought, damn, this place has too much traffic, driven or foot traffic. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's busy enough that you should probably hold on to the people you're walking with, especially if any one of them is not sober. But, or you could do what I did when I was seven and went for the first time because nothing says family fun when you're seven, like going to Vegas. I had, I reached up and thought it was my dad and it wasn't. And I held this random stranger man's hand. And I couldn't figure out why my dad wasn't following me. And I looked up and it was this guy with a mustache looking down at me confused. It's to this moment, one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Even though he laughed, my mom laughed. And he was like, he said something like, I think she's trying to kidnap me. (laughs) So yeah. So they put a bunch of self-driving four passenger Teslas in this tunnel to take people about, you know, 1.7 miles. And it has traffic jams now because... It doesn't work very well, and a more efficient sol- solution would have been just to simply have a bus. A bus would have moved more people faster with less waste. Or an it's a small world-style world boat. Or, you know, maybe, just hear me out on this, if only we had some other system which moves people through tunnels underground, you know, not in cars, but maybe in some sort of train? It's underground. For only 1.7 miles, none of this is worth it. Yeah. But building a tunnel underneath to decrease foot traffic is a great idea. 
have the underneath tunnel also be foot traffic. So they just he just dug this tunnel that's made traffic worse and it's just more expensive, less less reliable, and just kind of like a dumb version of the subway. Did he get Vegas's permission or did he just start digging? They one paid day? him for this. Like, did he just show they up? They paid him millions of dollars for this. Now, I'm going to point out potential bias here because I personally love public transportation. Yes. And especially the subway. Yeah. The first day we were in New York, I asked Austin, okay, Austin, what was your favorite part of day one? And he goes, you promised not to laugh? And I said, probably. And he said, the subway. And, and then said, you laughed. Uh, no, and I, I laughed, though, because I said, I know, right? Isn't it great? Oh I God. love public transportation. Like last time we were in Chicago, the fact that we could take trains and buses places instead of having to drive. Oh my God. So wonderful. Being able to walk places. Yeah. Being able to walk places. Cause here. It is so dangerous to walk. It's like either, uh, like if there's a sidewalk, um, you're having to walk forever. You have to walk through busy parking lots. And also there is a woman talking on her cell phone or a man talking on his cell phone, driving a Porsche Cayenne who will, who will hit you if you're in a crosswalk. Like I have almost been hit. Six or seven At times. At least once a week when I, when I go yeah. on walks. And when you hear news stories about people getting hit on sidewalks, like pedestrians being hit on sidewalks, that it's not in a big city, it is almost always our area. Like, we've had several children die, or nearly so, just because they dared to walk to or from school. And then we wonder, why do so many parents drive their kids to school when it's only a half mile away? This is why. Yeah. So anyway, this sparked me to look into more about electric cars, and I want to talk about electric cars because they are they are brilliant. They can be a great solution to a lot of environmental problems, but they are also not quite as perfect as everyone is like is selling them as right now. So I'm going to talk about some of the you know pros and cons of electric vehicles. Um, so Austin will knows that I've always wanted to live in a van. Yeah. But I don't think Austin knows when I really started to want to live in a van and it wasn't just an errant thought. It was in the VF, it was when the VW released their electric minibus and I saw it and I went, that is what. Yeah. But I also know the problems with it yeah. and that that is not something that'll be viable for me in the near future. Yep. It, it's one of those things where it could be viable, but it might not ever be viable at the same time. Don't kill the dream, Austin. So anyway, because uh, right now in the United States, somewhere between 14 to 29% of the CO2 emissions uh, we put out is produced from our cars and trucks. And this was from a bunch of like different studies. And I didn't, I wasn't able to dig in deep enough in our time frame to figure out which ones were put out by fossil fuel com- companies through like, you know, various channels. But unless so, they were saying like 2%, I feel yeah. like it was still them actually trying to do a study. Yeah. So we don't know. I didn't look in deep enough to figure out the biases. I'm just reporting the range that I saw in the sources I looked at. And that's a lot. That's like, it's second only to like electricity production. And it's a close second. And not only are they putting out lots of CO2, which is contributing to global warming, uh, they also put out other gases like carbon monoxide, various other hydrocarbons, and sulfur dioxide. Your head hurt? Yeah, sorry guys, you can't see me obviously, but I'm sitting here with my hands pressed against my eyes because I have uh, the beginnings of a sinus headache, but I am actively listening. Okay. Um, and I was actually thinking, um, you said sulfur dioxide, sulfur? Yep, sulfur dioxide. I was wondering, is that what is that a rotten egg smelling kind of sulfur or is that just like... Um, it's not in quantities enough for us to smell it as rotten eggs, but it's... So guys, if you, st- if you smell sulfur out and about, it's still best to assume it's demons. Yes. 
Or de- it could be a demon car, like Christine, the famous Buick from the Stephen King story. True, true. Guys, anytime you actually smell gas, call your gas company immediately and yep. leave your house. So I've already talked about how these fumes are bad for everyone's health and significantly shorten your life uh, when I talked about smog in a previous episode, if you want more details about that. And to be clear, who people who haven't watched, uh, who, who, who haven't listened to our last episode, or you've recently watched or read The Hobbit, I am talking about the <laughs> air pollution smog, not the dragon. He, I know he put that in there because he knew I was about to say something about it. Oh yeah, exactly. I, I know you. I was literally thinking Smog the Dragon. And yep. I was trying to remember if that was a dragon or not before I said anything. Yep. Smog the Dragon or Uruloki, Scourge of the Erebor and the Dale and the King Under the Mountain. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about air pollution. Uh, and anyway, one of the ways we can reduce pollution with, uh, with our, from our transportation is with electric vehicles. Because most people's daily drives are well within the range of modern electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like for your daily trips, like you should have zero problem going to work, running your errands, doing all of that stuff, going out to the movies afterwards, whatever. You'll have plenty of range and then you can get home and you can plug in your car. Even if it's a slow charger, it'll have a full charge in the morning and you're ready to go again. Mm-hmm. It's going to work for a lot of people. It's great. And... So that's one way that they can help. So we're going we're gonna to burn a lot, like, a, lot, a lot less gasoline. And as we continue to increase uh, how much renewable resources we use, like solar, hydroelectric, wind power, uh, less and less of the electricity we get is going to be produced by burning oil and coal. Yeah, I was trying to explain, maybe you're going to get into this more. Um, I was trying to explain this to somebody online because everybody was arguing for electric vehicles, which again, I would love to have an electric vehicle. Um, and how they were all trying to say, it's not hard to have when you can charge them wherever you want. And I was like, where do you live? And they kept mentioning cities. Oh yeah. We're going to get to that. And yeah, yeah, I've got an entire segment on this. Okay, cool. So it's, and also only that electric vehicles are quieter, which you don't think about it a lot because cars are noisy. My car is so loud. Yeah. Uh, they are quiet. So there's a lot less noise and noise pollution is actually linked to a lot of things like people, it can lose concentration and it can take you literally half an hour to get back to where you were before after you hear a loud noise. Uh, it's also linked to anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, heart disease, and stroke. And this isn't just like the loud cars that go by with the buzzer mufflers. This can even include unwanted ambient noise if you live near a busy road. Yeah, like Austin has watched me on more than one occasion curl up in a ball covering my ears. Now granted, that's from the trains and it's one specific kind of train. But it actually, like, makes my heart start racing and starts making my head feel foggy and, like, it's going to explode. Um, like, I feel like sometime the aliens are going to use that technology against me. Yeah. Me specifically. Austin can't even hear it. And it's, like, it's also, like, got a great, like, it's very economical, too. Because if we look at even the biggest battery banks on a car, it's only going to cost about $9 to get a full charge for the electricity on your car. For, like, from empty to full, 9 bucks. And with a two hundred dollar, with a two hundred mile range, even the most fuel efficient car we have right now can only go about hundred and fifty miles with nine dollars of gas. Wow. Yeah, and that's like peak fuel efficiency, ideal conditions. I'm listening. I'm just seeing how long, um, how long of a how, distance it is from one place that, like, the longest road trip I've made on one tank of gas. I'm checking that right now. And. Uh, which, by the way, th- that's just for like the best ones. The average American cars, that's only about 75 miles. So it's much cheaper to operate, less emissions, less noise pollution. 
and I feel like such a dork for talking about this, but electric engines are simpler and more reliable than internal combustion engines. I feel like I was robbed. Oh, no. The longest uh, road trip I've made on one tank of gas. And if one tank of gas... Actually, no, that makes sense. Because at the time, with how much gas costs, the longest trip I've made in one tank of gas was 452 miles. And 9, 18, 24, with how much my gas tank held at the time. Yeah, I was robbed a little bit. It was yeah. like 12 bucks a gallon. Or 12, 12 24, 30, 36 to 40 bucks. Yep. Again, that's... A- but you're I not, also filled up at the cost. That's also if you're like, you know, you're going to have like hills and you're not going to be going at the most fuel efficient speed. That's You are between here and Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I think peak fuel efficiency is around 50 or 60. Yeah, you are here between here and Minneapolis. I think yeah. the speed limit is primarily like 60. Yeah. And yeah. So anyway, internal uh, combustion engines are way more complicated than electric ones. They need a... Not only do they need all sorts of like gears and pistons to turn gasoline by having to explode into movement to move the crankshaft, which put, then puts the power to the wheels through all these different differentials. They also have to have a cooling system because there's literally just a fire in your car at all the time. Yeah, I was down cleaning the basement the other day and I looked over because our heater kicked on and there was a fire in it. And I don't know why it had never clicked in my head before <laughs> that a heater would definitely have a fire going like like they showed in Home Alone, remember? Yeah. And it scared the shit out of me at first. And you don't think about the fact that that is just what's happening in your car is a series of tiny fiery explosions. Yeah. It's like, so they need a complex cooling system, which can, stuff can break in that. They need an exhaust system, which can cl- help clean out some of the pollution. Because if there wasn't, it'd be real bad. So that's going through. It's also muffling it because that's, again, it's a lot of little explosions. So it's loud. Mm-hmm. All sorts of stuff can go wrong with that. And electric engines don't put off as much heat as internal combustion engines. So their cooling is pretty easy. Uh, like lubrication for them, much simpler. You don't need as frequent of oil changes. And like, depending on the model, you might not even need like oil engine oil changes at all. It's, I didn't go too in depth, but it's maintenance is much simpler on electric cars. Uh, there's no exhaust. So don't have to worry about that. But isn't it also like the maintenance itself is technically simpler, but fewer mechanics can do it. Yeah. And uh, it also... It doesn't need a transmission and gears to turn all that power, to make all that power. It's an electric motor. It can just make it more power or less power. It's not having to use systems of gears to change how much power is going to your wheels. So way simpler. Like the like only like real difference is because electric engines don't put off as much heat. Um, they actually have to use electricity from their batteries to heat your car mm-hmm. instead of just using waste heat from the radiator and blowing into the car to, to warm you in the wind. Mm-hmm. That's like the only real benefit. Benefit. Yeah, the only real benefit of gas engines. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they they can heat your car. And it's like real at this point, like demand for electric vehicles is already changing the car market. Like multiple car manufacturers are planning to completely phase out gas cars in the next 10 or 15 years. And several European countries are banning the sale of gas powered vehicles within the decade. Now, are they banning the power, the gas powered as in only gas powered? Can you still get a hybrid? Um, it depends on the country. I think nor I don't I didn't look into that. Cuz like that's the thing is you got like you the are plug in hybrids. Yeah. Like if you are a road tripper like me, an electric vehicle won't do, but a hybrid can usually handle what I'm doing until I can find oh, yeah. a place to charge overnight. Yeah, uh, one of the great options is the plug in hybrid, which like it combines a lot of the best as- aspects of both. Mm-hmm. Where it's basically you can plug it in and it charges batteries and those batteries aren't made for like long trips. 
but they'll go about 30 miles. And when the batteries get low, they have a gas generator or a gas engine that kicks on and it'll drive you and you can power it with gas. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the best of both worlds. It's a bit more complicated. And... It's exactly what Hannah Montana was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm talking about all these benefits, but electric cars are still not perfect. Uh, long tro- road trips are going to be more difficult, even with the longer ranges and more charging stations, because instead of making a five minute stop for gas, you've got to stop anywhere from half an hour to an hour to charge a car, maybe more if there's a line, because there's frequently lines at some of these rapid chargers. Yeah, and if you've been going all day, it's an eight-hour charge to get back to full. Like, Oh, no, uh, with the rapid chargers, it's much less time. Yeah, but how many motels, like the ones I could afford, if they can have a, if they have a charger to begin with, how uh, many are going to have the rapid chargers? A chargers? lot of them are at, like, at, tar- at like Targets and grocery stores and places like that, libraries. Yeah, um... I still can't park there for four or five hours in some cases or or overnight if I'm half an hour to an hour. If I'm like, okay, I'm really tired. I'm going to my hotel. I need to just park for the night. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can't charge overnight at the hotel, but you can find a nearby rapid charger and charge it in within half an hour to an hour. If there is a nearby rapid charger. If there is. Yeah. Because outside of metropolitan areas, uh, these rapid chargers aren't available and they're basically there's entire like highways that don't have enough on them to not even rapid chargers just any chargers yeah so they're they're this is infrastructure that needs to be built it is expensive it's about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to build one yeah and especially because the cost is often yes it's gonna it, it might give you a tax break but it still often goes on the business like they are the ones paying for it not the city oh, no, or the county often right no it's a lot of them are being built by private companies because they do charge you to use them mm-hmm uh, Tesla is actually building a lot of them, but because it's Tesla, um, they have a proprietary charger and a proprietary system yep. that won't work for non-Teslas, Yep, which is one of the problems we're going to get into. But yeah, it's because there's not a standard hookup. There's like a bunch of different standards in America. In Europe, they in the EU, they have passed laws that say, hey, we are, we are going to all use this specific type of charger. Mm-hmm. And they have made laws. They've done they, this for Apple products in some of these countries oh, yeah. too. It's like, we don't want waste. Because like, if you have a type of charger that you have to use, there's adapters that cost three or $400 mm-hmm. to use these. And again, the Tesla ones might not work and other ones won't work on Teslas. So it's like the char- rapid charger might not work for your car if it does work because sometimes they're broken down. And it's like, yeah. there Again, there's plans to build more. And it's as the... Inf- as there are more of them, it'll become easier to take long trips like this. But right now, it's difficult. Yeah, and I was trying to explain that to these people who were like, well, they're everywhere where I live. I'm like, I can think of two near me where I live, and I live in a um, fairly wealthy area. Um, but if I were I can, to... I can think of about five or six within five miles of here. But it's like, if I were to drive west, I could go hundreds of miles without there being one. Yeah. Like, there, uh, you can, th- there are maps you can pull up that will show where they are. And you can see them like spaced out every hundred miles or so along highways. Yeah, but like also, like you said, sometimes you have to wait. Mm-hmm. And like I've gone to the library where there is one, and I have seen the same car at that charging station for four or five hours. Yeah, and I'm like, if I needed a charger right now, and then they were they were also like, well, you don't need to charge it the whole way. I'm like, I do if I'm going another 450 miles after this. Yes, yeah. actually, it can be easier to charge it halfway because it takes more time to do the second half of fully charging a battery than just do the first half. So if you just charge it halfway, then go to the next one and charge it halfway, it's actually faster than waiting for it to get to a full charge. It's There's weird stuff. It's counterintuitive and weird, but it 
works. We'll have to fix that eventually. Yeah. And also, like... I mean, that's just the way that the batteries work. It's not a way to fix it. It's like, also, like, if I'm going to stop at a place that has a charger and there's a place to eat nearby, I'm probably going to yeah. go eat. Yeah. And... and, of course, another thing that has been widely circulated is uh, cases where the batteries have exploded. Mm-hmm. Now, people are like, oh, wow, I'd never drive one. It could explode. So can your regular car. Remember... Your car has somewhere between 10 to 20 gallons of a flammable liquid in it. If you've ever watched an action movie, you know cars can just explode too. It's actually easier for cars to explode. And sometimes like if you if you get in a minor accident, if the wrong kind of oil was put in, yeah. if no oil was put in, which I've had happen once, uh-huh. you you're, it might not catch fire, but you're definitely going to have someone close to a fire and your engine's destroyed. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, speaking of the batteries, the high capacity batteries used we use are not great for the environment to manufacture. Like, if we're just talking pure, like, carbon emissions, uh, the mining and refining, like, it is 50% more to putting just the batteries in one of these cars than it is to actually completely manufacture a traditional gasoline car. That's the batteries alone. And that's not including all of the stuff going into mining and refining all the cobalt, nickel, manganese, and lithium we use in these, which creates a lot of harmful waste. Now, does it balance out over the life of the vehicle or is it still too much I'm at gonna the get, top? I'm going to get to that. I'm okay. going to get to that. Uh, and a lot of these like have to be, and none of these are all in the same place. So all of these metals have to be shipped from places like the, Demo- the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Australia, Argentina, and China, all to one place to be manufactured, which takes a lot of like you know shipping to get all this to one spot and they manufacture it they ship it to they ship it to be you know manufactured in the car and it takes a it takes a lot of energy and those cargo ships produce a lot of carbon dioxide and also there's a lot of ethical concerns especially in some places about um, how they're mining it and the effects it's having on the indigenous populations Mm -hmm. it's water use and lots of other things so there's problems with the way we manufacture batteries Mm mm-hmm uh, you would need to drive your your electric vehicle about 150,000 miles to make up for the difference in emissions com- as compared to a fuel-efficient compact car. So no, over the life of your car, you will not make up for that. It's doable. How many people actually do you think get to 150,000 miles in a car, even if their car could get to 150,000 miles without you know it being a problem? It's, you know, people it, love to yeah. turn over. Uh, currently, uh, electric vehicles are sort of a prestige uh a prestige vehicle right now. So these people are buying new ones frequently and it's And also like as I understand it, if something goes wrong with the battery, it's kind of hard to fix it and you might either need a new oh, one or your car's done. If something goes wrong with the battery, you just need a new car. Yeah. And it's, I'd be curious to know statistically how often that happens where you get to 150,000. It's it's it used to be more prevalent, but it's again, it's getting better as we perfect the technology. You know, if I could still have a Subaru, if I could have afforded a Subaru. Those things last for, you know, your entire lifetime. Yes. Mine that was duct taped together, I only got rid of because my mom made me. (laughs) Of course, and another problem that I could think of was uh, in parts of the country and the world, we still experienced prolonged blackouts and brownouts. Um, Imagine being in below zero weather with no power and your car was not charged enough to get you to shelter. Yep. Or if you're in a hurricane or a fire. And you're just stuck in that traffic. Or an ice storm. It's not great. Like, again, you can still get stuck in a gas car. If you run out of gas, you're not going to be able to find a a pump 
that works because the electricity is out. And with modern gasoline, it doesn't freeze like it used to. Like you might have been raised mm-hmm. with always make sure your gas tank is at least however much full before it gets to below freezing. Oh, that's because... And that's not really the case anymore. Mm-hmm. But like what happens if you put a battery in the freezer? Doesn't it just kind of like, nope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there are also some other bigger problems with electric vehicles. Uh, for tens of millions of Americans, electric vehicles are not an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, electric cars are currently expensive. They're getting cheaper. And the used vehicle market for them is not great. Yeah. Uh, battery capacity degrades over time. And with electric, with electri- with, uh, electric vehicles, that means a much shorter range. And it continues to get shorter and shorter. And your battery becomes less reliable. And it could just go. Yeah. And like unlike gas-powered vehicles and even batteries in current cars, you can't just jump these. Yeah. And you can't get towed to a gas station or call AAA to come gas you up or come give you a jump. Like, it, you don't have as many options to save your ass if you're stuck somewhere. No. Now, I want to be clear because it sounds like it sounds as of now like we're really like, this is a terrible idea. We're not saying that. No, no. This is a bad idea. We're saying we don't, they're not and good enough to be the universal again, thing it's, now. It's not there yet. This is getting better. And, you know, cars, when they were first invented and were around, weren't great. We didn't have the infrastructure like AAA or enough rep- or all of these repair shops that worked on things. It's like, it's going to get there. It's just not there right now. Yeah, like right now it's kind of a pie-in-the-sky uh, yep. utopian fantasy where realistically we're looking at decades before it becomes truly viable. Mm-hmm. But we're also kind of fucked if it's taking decades because of the fossil fuel problems yeah. and all of that. Yeah, and of course the shorter range means you're going to need to charge more often especially in a warm or cold climate when you have to run the heat or the air conditioning. Uh, Because Consumer Reports uh, found that running climate control can reduce your range by as much as 41%. Jesus Christ. Yeah. If you're in like sub-zero temperatures and running the heat, it can reduce it a lot. Yeah. So your 200-mile range is now closer to 118 miles, which is going to add hours of charging time for... Uh, rural Americans if they want to do something like run errands or go into town or go to a doctor's appointment. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that road trip I mentioned to Minneapolis where I think I stopped once on the way just to stretch my legs. I would have had to stop two or three times to charge for 20 minutes each time, 30 yeah. minutes each time, and added a full hour and a half to my otherwise eight hour at most road trip. Yeah, you probably would have to... You probably have, would have had to stop overnight at a hotel. Yeah, and I don't. Austin will tell you this, and it pisses him off. I don't stop. I, will, I know. Like if I look at it, I go, mm, fourteen hours, sixteen hours. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Twelve hours, definitely doing it. So, and again, for rural Americans, this could be a big problem because, as I mentioned, these rapid charging stations are expensive. It's about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now, they make sense to have in metropolitan areas or along highways where you can have a lot of traffic and people using them, but. If you're in a town of a thousand people, you might not have one. Mm-hmm. You might have a less rapid one that takes hours to charge, or you might have to be stuck charging at home, and it's going to be more difficult. Well, and also if we think about rest stops, you know where you would think that they would be. Um, if you get to a rest stop and you need to charge, and all the charging stations are full, and you got to keep going to the next one, you could be looking at twenty or thirty miles before the next one. You could be fucked. Yeah, or you could just have to wait longer for someone's car to. And if they don't leave. Yeah. So it's, there's definite problems with it. And if, again, if you'll look at these map of the rapid charging stations, you can see that there's big chunks of the Northern Midwest, like in the Dakotas and Montana, where there just aren't any. 
and in the uh, rural southeast where there are just none. Mm-hmm. It's there's areas where you cannot drive to and get be able to get back in an electric vehicle. And as I understand it, there is no external electric thing that you can attach to your own car, no matter where you stop right now. Like there's no generator you can carry in your car. I mean, I guess you could carry around a gas generator, but that's just very inefficient. No, I'm talking about like they don't make it like, you know how you can carry a second tank of gas in your car if you think that you're going to be driving for a long period? There isn't a secondary battery situation that you can just hook up for a while. These batteries weigh hundreds of pounds. They're very big. It would be ridiculous. Like I have a handheld um, jump starter that I can carry with me. And I don't mean cords. I mean, I have an actual jump starter. It weighs like eight. Yeah. Um, There's no equivalent for an electric vehicle. And of course, not only is this a problem for people living in rural areas, it's also a problem for uh, people in urban and suburban areas as well. If you live in an apartment, you probably aren't going to have a place to charge your car overnight. Mm -hmm. So you'll have to depend on charging stations that will take hours to charge and are more expensive than using electricity from your home. Mm -hmm. And if you do own a home, installing an efficient charging station, like a, can be expensive. Most homes don't have a 220 amp outlet which is like the big one that you use for like your oven and your dryer mm-hmm. in their garage, which is what makes it so you can charge it relatively quickly overnight. It's still going to take hours overnight. Or if you want to charge like a, a rapid charging station, that can be tens of thousands of dollars while like a 220 outlet is going to toss, cost anywhere from 400 to $1,500 depending on how difficult. And also if you, that's even if you have a garage in your house or if you have an Uncle Joey that has moved into your garage to help you raise your three daughters, rest <laughs> in peace, Bob, Bob Saget. Saget. So yeah, electric vehicles, not a universal solution. There are millions of people where they make perfect sense and it will meet their daily needs and they can use this electric car. It'll even work for occasional longer trips if you're willing to spend the extra time. Yeah, it would make perfect sense for someone like Austin. It would yeah. not make perfect sense for someone like me. Yeah. It would make, I could drive to work every day. It'd be fine if I wanted to go to Lawrence or like somewhere else. For I could. what it's worth, you kind of already do this with your bike. Yeah. You've got like an electric power bike. I do bike. have an electric bike. So please don't hit my husband. I get actually like legitimately nervous about this. I've only been, I've only almost been hit like twice and it's always by idiots in, in Ford F-150s. Now, yeah, Austin, if you're going to get hit, what do you have to do it by? I got to get run over by a Lexus. Yeah, you make your fun- money the old-fashioned way. Yeah. Although I have been hit by a Lexus, and I got no money out of it. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> well, okay, you didn't get hit by a Lexus. It's more like you hit a Lexus. You were walking, and she stopped, and you walked right into it. No, she did not stop. She absolutely did not stop. <laughs> um, she turned into a busy crosswalk, and I went Boston and uh, as I walk past, I punched the front of her car, but it doesn't change the fact that she did not stop and I still fell on my ass. <laughs> so yeah, it does work for some people, but there's still millions of people where an electric vehicle is not going to work for them. And instead, there is a solution that is actually much better. Can you guess what it is? Corn. Well, it's better for the environment. Manure. It's also better for traffic. It'll get more drivers off of the road. Manure. So it'll be clearer and you won't need as many lanes to Soil drive in. Soil green. Uh, it's better for, pu- it's better, uh, it's better for people's health because you're going to be walking a little bit more, but not so much more. Hamsters. Hamsters. Yes. Hamsters. Uh, Flintstone style foot pedals. And it's also going to be better for city budgets because you won't need to spend as many millions expanding and maintaining roads because you won't need as, it is public transportation yes i know 
It's, and seriously, it's just so much better. Like even like a bus with people on it is great for the environment. And better than that is like a train where they have electric power from a third rail that's electrified. So they don't have these batteries that are difficult and expensive. They just run electricity. It's great. And we've had this technology for hundreds of years. Yeah, the second you have well, over hundred years. The second you have two passengers on a bus, statistically, I think you've had two cars taken off the road. Yeah. Um, I, this is another thing I got into an argument with somebody online about because they're like, well, what about small towns? I'm like, what about them? I didn't say they should have a fully functional. Yeah. No. I'm like, no. they should still have a bus, depending on how big they are, having one bus that does a loop. Like mm-hmm. Roosevelt Island in New oh, York. Yeah. That was great. Like you get on the bus, you go and do your errands in the town part of your of your rural area. You get back on the bus. It just runs a loop around your yeah. whole area. Public transportation, it's a great solution, especially in congested urban areas. Like here? And oh, oh my God. For people in poverty, this means that they don't need to maintain a car, which is expensive in order to just simply survive. Like, it's a, like look at what they've done in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. They've made their cities walkable and bikeable, and they've invested in pu- in uh, public transportation, and they've made their cities instead of focused on being able to move cars, focused on being habitable for people, and it's great for everyone. Like traffic's better, people get around faster, people are healthier and happier. Yeah, and when you think about food deserts, people typically think about urban areas where there isn't a lot of farming nearby. Well, we're in Kansas. We are like farming, farming, farming. We have food deserts yeah. because people can't get to the grocery store because they don't have a vehicle and no public transit goes by. There is a Walmart that is in the middle of one of these areas that is a high poverty area. They don't have fresh produce. I have gone in there looking for fresh produce. I can get some canned produce, but I can buy an abundance of ramen. Yeah. They like... There is no fresh produce in this entire fucking Walmart. I've asked, and they're like, yeah, we don't carry that. So yeah, for everyone who loves electric cars, they are good, but public transportation is better. It's just not as tech bro friendly. Yeah, and if you think your town can't handle it, really think about where people are frequently stopping their cars. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that it might be the grocery store or Target. You might be thinking, you can't carry your stuff out. They make carts specifically to go on buses and yes i understand most places can't put in subways if they could that'd be awesome yeah but they make carts specifically to go on buses and they fold up when you get home and it's a lot easier you don't have to try to carry all those bags in at once oh yeah it's nice. and like i mean granted if you're going furniture shopping yeah you need you, if you've got 27 kids yeah go ahead and buy your suv like it's fine we're not saying that there is never a reason to own a vehicle but not everybody who owns one should be forced to own one. If Austin and I didn't have to own one, we wouldn't. Well, oh, actually, I not. might because of my road trips, but... I mean, you can also rent a car. It's yeah. cheaper to rent a car than own a car for if you're doing oh, like, a sure. road trip a year. Um, I did the math a few years ago, and it would be cheaper for me on my exact same salary to live in Boston than here in Kansas, simply because the costs of owning a car. That is it. If you factor in cost of living groceries, apartment rental, all of that, still cheaper to live in Boston than here just because of the cost of the vehicle. Yeah. So, and so yeah, I did all of this because Elon Musk ran headfirst in the idea of the subway so many fucking times and has just completely decided, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, did trains wrong him somehow? Did he watch Cats and Skimbleshanks just pissed him off? Maybe he was like that episode we just watched of How I Met Your Father with the British guy being horrified by what happened on the subway. 
So yeah, my, my big takeaway from this is that electric cars are part of a solution to global climate change and CO2 emissions. They just aren't the silver bullet that's going to fix the entire mess. Yeah, the silver we bullet go- is actually taking the time and money to do something yeah. about it. Uh, we are going to need make some major societal and structural changes to how our cities are designed if we're actually going to solve this problem. And that's going to be expensive, and it's not going to be easy, and it's going to take time, so it's never going to happen. And it's not just cities. It's suburban areas as well. Yeah. Like, our city is... I mean, I say it's city. The, we are we are the suburbs, and we are like our area is consistently ranked among the least safe for driving and walking. Yeah, uh, because we have no side. I could easily walk to my mom's house. It is only a couple miles away. If I could have a sidewalk, but as it is, there's no sidewalk, and I will die. So, um, fun um, story. While I was researching this, and I was looking about things about uh, walkable cities and least walkable cities, an aerial photograph of the Red Lobster. Uh, that sits in a, that used to be next to a mall, but now sits in this giant empty parking lot. Mm-hmm. An aerial photograph of this was used to cite an example of how, how like, you know, ur- how like suburban urban planning has failed. It's like, wow, this, this hits really close to home. Literally. In fairness though, it was originally next to a mall. And so it wasn't as bad, but then the mall got torn down because it was full of asbestos and also wasn't making yeah. money. Uh, I used to volunteer at a cat shelter in that mall. There used to be a Suncoast video where I bought a lot of anime in high school in that mall. Weren't you the only member of the anime club for a while? No, I was the president because there was a lot of people in it and none of them were responsible. And a girl I had a crush on asked me to do it. So I did it. I remember that girl. Yeah. I can't blame you. She was nice. Yep. Are you ready for questions? Yep. All right. Will the fact that some random Englishman figured out a better mass transit system in 1804 when he invented the train that Elon Musk and all of his tech bros can do today? You didn't mention that at any point during this, so by God, I hope that's not on the test. That uh, that mass transit and trains are better than what Elon Musk invented? No, the 1804 guy. I know. I just mad that fact in the questions. Will the fact that gas-powered cars also explode, will that be on the test? Yeah. I only have two questions. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I mentioned uh, this that to someone that batteries explode. Someone when talking about electric cars being bad mentioned that batteries explode. I, I mentioned it's like, you know, cars explode too. Have you ever seen an action movie? And it like full on like shorted him out. He was like, what? But cars are good. They don't explode. It's like they explode all the time. Yeah. Um, and they, even if they don't explode, they catch fire. Yeah. Like, and once your car is on fire, like you, you better you hope you're out of that car. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, the fact that if you use your heat or air conditioning uh, on your electric vehicle, it could cut your range almost in half be on the test? See, you're asking some interesting questions here because I don't know what class this test is in. Um, because... It's almost as like our format doesn't really apply to what I did, but I'm do- kind of like trying to roughly stick to it. Yeah, um, because there's kind of an agenda based on who you're, uh, what, what kind of class you're in. Because yes, this is this is an important fact to know. No matter where you're landing on this, whether you're somebody who invents the electric cars, but it's also important if you work for the fossil fuel industry. Yeah. And final question: uh, Will the battery manufacturing pollutes up more than than driving a gasoline powered car be on the test? Same thing as last time. It kind of depends on who's yeah. given the test and how they're framing it. It should be, and but it should be used as a motivator to like enter the sciences and improve things. Yeah. Again, it's like it's improving. Like the batteries. How we manufacture them, how efficient they are, and like all that stuff is improving, but it's it's not there yet. Yeah, um, and like we said, like we're big fans of the concept. Yes. Um, 
conceptually, this is a great idea. Did you turn the power off? No, I just looked at the time. Um, So this is about two pages shorter than what I usually do. We're at 45 minutes. And it's not me. Oh, it's like, it's, it's also you. We've both been interrupting a lot and going off on lots of tangents on this one because we're very passionate about this. Yeah, it's something that we both wish was going to happen. And you also and... kept like, like, it's like, oh, I'm going to talk about this thing that he's going to say in the next sentence. That's like, yeah. <laughs> well, switching gears a little bit. Car joke. It's been a while since we talked about some real genocide, I think. <gasps> it's been like a month at least. And it's definitely been a while since we've talked about Nazis. <gasps> oh, Nazis. So I'm talking about Nazis today. Now, I don't know about you, but when we were in school and we learned about World War II several times, I never once heard about a Nazi presence in the United States during World War II. Say what now? Like, I did learn about neo-Nazis and blah, blah, blah. But never once was it was, oh, by the way, there were Nazis in the U.S. too. Well, hey, but we even heard about them being basically everywhere else. Just not here, not in good America, where we definitely didn't turn away boats, literal boatloads of Jews looking for refugee status. We didn't do that. Nor did we have Nazis. Yeah, they were here at a place called Murphy's Ranch. Um, Probably other places as well, but I'm talking about Murphy's Ranch today. Also known as The Scares, The Nazi Camp, and uh, Camp... Josefo, or Josefo, I'm not sure which. Camp Josefo? And until 2016, it was a tourist attraction. Now, it may or may not be now. I was getting mixed answers (laughs) on this. Um, Now, by a tourist attraction, I don't mean like, let's go look at the Nazi stuff. By tourist attraction, I mean it was a popular spot if you were willing to hike to it. And also, they didn't exactly discourage graffiti in there. Um, it actually became kind of, I sent often a couple pictures of this, it became kind of beautiful in a way, like not because of the Nazi history, but because of how we're looking at it, artists are looking at it and going, fuck you, and reclaiming it as something that is not that. Um, it's also, as the Huffington Post put it, quote, a glimpse of an alternate reality in which the Nazis won World War II and set up their headquarters in Los Angeles. Now, in 2016, some or all of it was destroyed, depending on how on which source you're looking at. But they also, in destroying it, found stuff that they were told was there, but were never able to find it before. Ooh. Now, this wealthy area is not the type of place where you'd imagine a history as dark as an entire fucking Nazi ranch. This is a very wealthy area of Los Angeles where you will find mansions surrounding this. But that's exactly what it is. It is currently sitting this remnants of it because it is still physically there like they didn't level it it's currently sitting between will rogers state park a rich housing development and a boy scout camp (laughs) it is just it's still there in the middle of these expensive wealthy areas including that housing development now i've seen articles saying the ranch is built in 1933 1939 everything in between but what is known is that winona and norman stevens Try saying those names like three times. Winona and Norman Stevens. Yeah. No, I'm not going to. Encountered a German man named named Herr Schmidt. Now, Herr, as you know, is not a first name. That means Mr. Schmidt, but like in a respectful way, if I understand it. Schmidt was, quote unquote, suspected to be a Nazi sympathizer and potential Nazi spy with supernatural powers. (laughs) 
He is largely shrouded in mystery. Nobody really knows who he is or what happened to him, and I am fairly certain he's Rasputin. I mean, he never was even given a first name. He was just Herr Schmidt, which is the equivalent of being Mr. Smith. That is what the equivalent here is. It's the Matrix, but for Nazis. He was known to be very intimidating and very convincing, not unlike Rasputin. He convinced the Stevens that the Germans would unquestionably win the war and the U.S. government would end up in shambles. So the Stevens needed to start a self-sustaining place to stay safe until the Germans came and then they could fully assist their new leaders under the watchful eye of Hitler, who they were told knew about and was actually in charge of all of this. Okay, he's a con man. Schmidt wasn't really worried about keeping the Stevenses safe. He wanted to make sure there was a space for the Nazis when the war ended. Now, who were the Stevenses? Normid was an engineer who had interests, like financial interests, in silver mining, which made them pretty wealthy. Now, Winona, for her own part, was basically an heiress. So they weren't poor, which is likely what made them attractive to Schmidt. And they weren't exactly squeaky quilling people who were tricked. They may have been part of a group of Nazi sympathizers called the Silver Shirts. And since they couldn't exactly build this ranch, which I'll describe in a second, by themselves, they needed help, which they believe was provided by the Silver Shirts. Because even though he was an engineer, engineers can't build anything. Yeah. They draw stuff up and say, build this! Or they look at plans and say, you're going to need at least two more air vents in here. Mm Mm-hmm. And... This wasn't just a place to live. They prepared for battle there. There is some real evidence that the Silver Shirts or other Nazi sympathizers were full-on running drills, ready to defend their compound and fight any remaining people who were, lo- who were loyal to America and not Hitler. This was a full-on Nazi camp, Nazi training camp in Los Angeles. Okay, usually, usually only hear about those being in like Waco, Texas. It was likely supposed to be where Hitler ran the U.S. from, though it seems like an odd spot to me because it is nowhere near the closest place to Germany or a place America saw as, quote, the real America, which had, would have been the insult to injury that Hitler would have wanted. Because L.A., people were kind of like, that's Hollywood. That's not real America. We don't really care about that area. Mm-hmm. Although we do know that Hitler loved his entertainment stuff. So maybe, yeah. but I feel like he would have gone with New York, but probably D.C. if he could have taken it over. He wouldn't have gone farther west than the Midwest, I don't feel like. L.A., definitely not. So why is it called Murphy's Ranch? Oh, um, Hitler also never went to Los Angeles, as far as I can tell, never mentioned any interest in Los Angeles. And uh, so this comes down to Herr Schmidt just saying this. (laughs) So I'm guessing this was all him. And he planned to kind of be the leadership, the leader of the Nazis in America. So why is it called Murphy's Ranch when the Stevens ran it and Murphy isn't exactly a German or Nazi name? There is exactly one mention of a man named Jesse Murphy who supposedly purchased the land in 1933, potentially from Will Rogers himself. What? So Will Rogers likely owned the land that later became a Nazi camp. Now, I did look this up. Was Will Rogers a Nazi? The answer was resolutely no. Good. Like, I couldn't find... I found a couple of mentions that... A couple things came up with, like, Will Rogers Nazi, but it actually had to do with, like, his son fighting a 
against the rising surge of Nazism that came later. I feel like it's some might have been apolog- It's been a couple of years since I've re- researched this. A couple of weeks since I've researched this. <laughs> it feels like years at this point. I think his son became a politician. Like, okay. I'd have to refresh my brain. Um, so all the paperwork says is Jesse M. Murphy widow, not Jesse M. Murphy giant fucking Nazi. So chances are Jesse Murphy also didn't know what the land was being purchased from her for. So I don't think there's any reason to believe that Will Rogers believed he was selling it to somebody who was a Nazi. And I'm not convinced that Jesse Murphy knew she was selling it to Nazis. How it ended up being in the hands of the Stevenses and the Sch- and Schmidt is unknown. We don't know what happened to Jesse Murphy. Murder. Schmidt somehow got the Stevenses to spend about $4 million creating this. Oh, that's from like 1940 money. That's a lot of money. I don't have an exact year for when they started, so I used 1935. That is over $81 million today. Ah! The location included a power station, irrigation system, large meat locker, raised gardens, bomb shelter, water tank, diesel fuel containers, machine shed, cement stairs up a hill for patrolling, and plans to build a massive mansion and do further expansions. However, the Stevens's money ran out. So that was all halt- halted for the time being, but they still ran like their training sessions and people could live there. And by all accounts, people were living there. Now, here's an interesting thing. You may have seen a meme going around Facebook about a black architect named Paul Williams, who supposedly had to draw upside down so his white clients wouldn't have to sit next to him. In fact, he himself said that he did that because his clients found it impressive, not because they wouldn't sit next to him. Like, he said that. Mm -hmm. He did. I am not trying to trash this guy. In fact, he's fascinating and worthy of his own episode and did some really important shit. I am not in any way trying to trash Paul Williams, but he designed a good deal of this compound. No. Now, remember, this place was run by Nazis who wanted an Aryan race, and they hired a black architect in the 1930s, which was not a common thing, to design especially the more impressive parts of it. He actually was commissioned to design the mansion, four stories, 22 bedrooms, several libraries and several dining rooms, and the wrought iron gate at the entrance to the whole place. Now, do I know William's motivation for agreeing to this? No. Um, He might not have known what he was designing for. They might have just been like, build us a mansion. And he'd be like, all right, cool. But, um, or if he did, he could have been like, hey, I'm going to take these people's money. Because there is no fucking way the Nazis are going to win. So I might as well milk this cow until it's fucking dry. Which, mad respect for that. Yes. Um, like, honestly, that's kind of what I hope it was. Because he, he like, this guy going, yeah, I'm going to take your Nazi ass money. <laughs> that's what I want this to be. Um, so yeah, I'm not trashing him for designing any of this. Because make that money and take as much money from anti-Semites yeah. and Nazis as you possibly can. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, this was a relatively isolated area, but it wasn't exactly a million miles away from other homes, meaning people knew that something was happening over here. They just wanted to exactly clear on what, for the most part. The Second World War lasted from 1939 to 1945, which is why it's interesting that some sources say that this was started in 1933, which, yeah, like, I don't remember the whole story of Hitler, but I believe he was in power by 33. Yes. Or he was starting to come into power. And there were people who kind of knew what his plans were. So 
1933 is possible with Air Schmidt going like, hey guys. Nazis. The U.S. didn't get involved until 1941. Whole other fucking story. But in December of 1941, so if they started building this in 1939, this is less than two years. With most sources saying this was the day after Pearl Harbor, U.S. federal agents allegedly raided the compound. Supposedly, the group had been monitored by the U.S. government the whole time. None of this is confirmed. The raid, the monitoring, none of this is confirmed. But what we do know is that the Stevenses were ultimately arrested, along with apparently a lot of other Nazi sympathizers who were found there. That said... We have no proof that they were actually being monitored or that the government had anything that was going, had any knowledge that this was happening. There's a chance they were just turned in by the neighbors who were aware that they were building a fucking Nazi compound. <laughs> and the day after Pearl Harbor, they were like, um, guys, guys, while we're on the topic of America being under attack, you might want to check out our neighbors, the Stevenses. There's this dude there named Air Schmidt who won't tell anyone his first name, but he looks a lot like that Rasputin dude. But Rasputin was Russian. Is he though? Duh. Rasputin is an immortal being. Oh, okay. He could be anyone at any time. Um, yeah, so everything I read was supposedly and allegedly other than the Stevenses being arrested. And even who arrested the Stevenses seems to be not entirely known. What happened to the Stevenses and Air Schmidt in the long run isn't clear. Most sources stop at the Stevenses being arrested and Schmidt isn't, isn't mentioned at all. We're not even entirely sure he was arrested. <gasps> he got away. Um, at least a few sources say the Stevenses were actually pretty quickly released because they were considered too stupid to understand what they were doing. They were released, and they didn't do any real jail time, based on stupidity. Oh, wow. Is this the first case of affluenza? And they were allowed to live on the ranch. They were just sent back to live on the ranch until 1948, where they stayed in relative poverty. And then there's Air Schmidt. We have no evidence that he was arrested. We also have no evidence that he left the country. We have no evidence that he was under surveillance. We have no evidence that he died. Back to him being Rasputin, there are people who believe Chris Angel is Air Schmidt. <laughs> Chris Angel, as in Chris Angel Mind Freak? Yes. The street magician. Yes, Chris Angel Mind Freak was Air Schmidt, and uh, if you ask me, Rasputin before that. I mean, it does make sense. Like, all the white supremacists look like failed magicians, so. No, that's all the misogynists. Oh. Sorry, there's such I actually, an as far as I know, I actually, I've never really heard anything bad about Chris Angel. Granted, I could be Other confusing him with somebody else. I'm scared of magicians. Um, now, I could be confusing him with somebody else because I know there are famous magicians I have heard bad shit about. There is no reason, though, to believe that Chris Angel is a Nazi. <laughs> but there are, that is one of the conspiracy theories is that Air Schmidt is ageless and is now Chris Angel. It's like, Dear Chris Angel, do not sue us. We do not believe you are Air Schmidt. I may believe that there's a chance he was Rasputin, but I do not believe you are him. Okay, but like, what's his game plan? He's like, okay, we need to, you know, get rid of the SARS in Russia. Okay, now we need to have some a weird Nazi scare in Los Angeles. But now I need to do street magic. Uh, he needs to have a show in Vegas. Like, what's no, okay. his plan? Where did Randall Flagg run his part of the stand from? This is all Randall Flagg sense. is immortal. Randall Flagg was a wizard. Randall Flagg was a manipulator. Could Stephen King have some kind of mental connection to Rasputin, Air Schmidt, Chris <gasps> it makes Angel? Makes sense. I just, he 
Rasputin set the stage for World War for you know the whole Cold War thing, which resulted in like you know the uh, the the disease in the stand. Um, Captain Trips. Captain Trips. Thank you. And maybe by like you know setting up the Stevens, like you know, like America cracked down on Nazis earlier than they would have. So that's why we won the war. Oh my God, it comes together. I need to get one of those red string boards because I could probably make all of this no, work. Okay, we have an empty wall that I'm looking at right now that is, oh, it looks like that. It's already got a drywall anchor in it. We could hang a giant cork board up there for red strings. I have always wanted a red string board. Always. Um, Your birthday is coming up. It is. It is. I'll be 36 officially on You'll the downside. You'll be as old as me. But yeah, oh my um, we have no evidence that Air Schmidt ever died. If that was if that was even his real name. Well, it wasn't because he it didn't was... have a first name. This was, like I said, the equivalent of Mr. Smith. We don't even know if he was German. I think he was just a con man. Like, yeah, he was just a Brilliant. con man getting somebody to build him a mansion. And then he wasn't, as far as I can tell, even actively involved other than checking in from time to time. Like, where, who else was he scamming at this time? Because there is no logical reason to believe that Hitler would run something out of Los Angeles. No, I'm no not one saying, wants to run anything out of Los I'm Angeles. I'm not saying there's no logical reason to think Hitler wouldn't have won the war. Because there are logical reasons to think that he would have won the war. Especially before we got involved. And I'm not saying we yeah. won the war. I'm not no. saying that. I'm saying before we joined forces with other countries that were already working their asses off and gave them additional supports. Yeah. Um, but Los Angeles? So who else was Mr. Smith scamming at the time? And Ooh. how many um, possibilities was he planning for? One where America won, one where um, Hitler won, one where Russia won, one where Japan won, one where somehow we were taken over by Australia. I don't fucking know. I was actually just about to mention Australia, then you said it first. So clearly he must have planned that. Yeah. So the giant space was left unoccupied for decades after the Stevenses left. After all, who wants to live in a place that is intended to support the Nazis? Well, like I mentioned, the Boy Scouts are right next to it now at a camp, which is uh, Camp Yosefo, which I do think it's Yosefo, even though it's spelled Josefo. Um, it is not, that is not part of the camp, but they are directly next to it. Um, it is named after the Russian-American Jewish immigrant and inventor of the automated photo booth <laughs> who gave the land to the Boy Scouts to have a camp. Okay, that's a, that's a cool, that's actually kind of a cool fact. And then... Who would naturally take over a spot like this, Austin? Scientologists. Not quite. Hippie artists. In the 1960s and 70s, they turned it into an artist colony. So they could be near the Los Angeles and Santa Monica art scenes without being actively living in those cities. But there were wildfires and they had to leave. It's as simple as that. That would yeah. probably still be an artist colony today if it hadn't been dangerous. If it hadn't caught on fire, it's the only way to get rid of those artist types. Before it was mostly turned, torn down in 2016, the place was a popular uh, stop for hikers and graffiti artists, totally covered in graffiti art. Um, but perhaps the reason it was torn down, they, they've said it's because it was falling down, it was dangerous to walk there, it was kind of out of the way, so there's chances that nobody would find you. Well, there's no real evidence that anybody was ever actually severely injured there. So they think, there are a lot of people who believe it's because of the Instagram effect. Not unlike Chernobyl or other disaster areas, Instagrammers began flooding a place that should be America's dystopian nightmare to take photos, probably in bikinis, just like at Chernobyl. Probably with very little understanding of what they were standing on. 
Now, the place isn't totally gone, but many reports say it is no longer legal to hike there. I doubt that that stops everybody, and I doubt that it's heavily monitored, but regardless, don't break any laws. Yeah. And just look up photos of Murphy's Ranch if it interests you, because it is haunting and the graffiti is beautiful. I love graffiti. Also, just a side note, because I can figure out where to put this. Could Johann Schmidt, the leader of Hydra and trainee of Hitler, be based on Herr Schmidt? I have no idea, but and I found nothing on this, but that seems awfully convenient. Knew it. He also has a Twitter account. <laughs> Johann Schmidt, the leader of Hydra. He actually has a, de- a checkmarked Twitter account, um, which I looked that up to kind of see anything else about him, and I feel like it makes sense. Anyway, that is the story of Murphy's Ranch, the Nazi um, Nazi camp in Los Angeles, California, United States. Oh my god. I, I feel like there is like room for like a children's camp movie in which there's this Boy Scout camp and they're having to like, you know, in a they're in a prank war against this Nazi camp. But it's a really dark children's movie. I say that is dark as fuck. It's like the boy in the striped pajamas, but you're trying to make it a comedy. Oh god, no, nothing like that. I was thinking more like Revenge of the Nerds, but Actually, somehow not as bad as Revenge of the Nerds. (laughs) Yeah, so there was a Nazi presence in the United States during World War II that we never learned about. And I guarantee you this was not the only one. I just had this, I heard this mentioned in passing on another podcast. I am not stealing content from a podcast because this was literally at, oh yeah, and then there was that Nazi compound Murphy's Ranch out in California. And that was all they said. And I was like, excuse me? It is time for research. It's okay, yeah. One of my cousins went to one of the like old, like, uh, Japanese like forts on the Aleutian Islands from when they invaded America in World War II. Mm-hmm. Also, we barely learned in school about the Japanese internment camps. And when we did learn about them, somebody inevitably would raise their hand. I don't believe it was me. And said, is this diff- how are these different from the concentration camps? And the answer was like, well, we fed them and stuff. We didn't use gas chambers and like prove it. Yeah. Are you ready for your questions? I'm ready for my questions. <laughs> Will this be on the test? There was a Nazi military training camp in the U.S. Yes, it will. The history of the compound should be very clear, but it suspiciously is not. No, that won't be on the test. This took me hours to research, and this is half the length of my usual stuff. Wow. Um, Instagram may be part of the reason this area was torn down and blocked off. You know what? Instagram should be held more accountable for everything it's destroyed, so yeah. And it seems like everybody who ran the camp was either let go or not followed. Will that be on the... Yes. And that is the story of Murphy's Ranch. Wow. Now, did I talk longer than you this time or did you talk longer than me? I talked so much longer than you this time. Yes! Finally! Austin loves to blame me for our podcast episodes being long. It was not me. I did not see that coming. Did you really just make a Nazi? We were just talking about the Nazis. I didn't make any Nazis. I feel like you made a Nazi joke or two during your thing. All I said was that there's no proof that Herr Schmidt is not Rasputin. Okay. And uh, I think it's very suspicious that we didn't actually do anything with any of these people afterwards. Yeah. Now, and I made a point to verify repeatedly that this place was real. Because that was my first thought was, why wouldn't we do anything to them if this place was real? I verified it um, many, many times from many... Many actual sources, <laughs> um, including, of course, Wikipedia. Woo. 
but also things like Atlas Obscura and Huffington Post and, you know. There were a couple of government websites that mentioned it briefly, but they're actually not on my source list because they didn't add anything new that I hadn't found elsewhere. This is a neat one. I didn't know we had it, like, in Los Angeles of all places. Yeah, and I guarantee you there are more throughout the country that we just don't talk about, don't know about. And like Kansas would be the perfect place for one. Oh my god, like Mar-a-Lago? We do talk about that, when, but honestly, Austin, do you really think it's a training ground that would involve exercise? <laughs> That's true. It's very true. Also, like, what happened to all the rest of the guys there that who built this and had this, like, Nazi training facility running? Because uh, I think oh. I saw at one point there was at least 50 people there. Did they arrest all of them and let them all go? Did Were any of them spies for us? Did we turn them, like, in Catch Me If You Can? Like... <laughs> He wasn't a Nazi, obviously, but yeah, who knows? It's a mystery. Yeah, this whole thing is just shrouded in mystery, and the yep. only thing I can think of is it's because we don't look good. Yeah. No, uh, we've always wanted to go out to the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should do this. It will involve some hiking and breaking a law. <laughs> I we think, scoff in the face of law. I think you can get close to it still, but yeah. In also, I saw no reports of it being haunted. Believe it or not. What? Mm -hmm. Well, the Stevens has moved away. Like obviously. Um, we need to do a ghost hunt there. We need to do some ghost hunts like a lot of places. I've been planning on covering a place that is known to be haunted. You and I have been there. Um, as part of a larger episode on snake oil salesmen, I think. Although I, there is enough history at the one place oh, to cover yeah. itself. But I'm not sure it would be something that everybody would want to hear about without grander scheme stuff. I don't know yet. Um, so yeah, we had Nazis here and we still have Nazis here. And guys, Nazis are the anti-fascists are people who don't like Nazis. And it is not an organized group. It is just literally people who don't like fascists. So being mad about there being anti-fascists is concerning to me. Yeah. Now, yeah, be mad about any kind of terrorism. We mm. have no evidence that Antifa has done any kind of terrorism, but anybody who does terrorism, be mad at them. You, no matter which side they're on, be mad at them. Boy, now that we've taken that uh, strong stance against terrorism, where yeah. can people find us? Um... Not committing terrorist acts, that's Obviously. for sure. Um, they can frequently find me in our podcast closet tearing it apart. Yeah. But to watch that, you can actually do it on TikTok at On The Test Pod. Please don't sneak into my house. Because as Joey, the fake delivery guy, found out, I do carry a bat. And it's it's rabid, and I think it's a fruit bat. So I wouldn't... It, it, like, it hangs out on my shoulder and whispers things to me. I'm very concerned. Maybe this is, is this where you got all the Rasputin ideas? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they can also find us on Instagram at on the test pod. Uh, we are on Facebook at um, Facebook. We just, just search for, will this be on the test podcast yeah. and look for the one with the face palming uh, statue because there is another podcast that came out more recently that Thankfully has altered their name a bit, but, and there is one from before us that had the same name that came out literally two days before us. It was bad, but they also cover different stuff than us. Yep. And of course, our website, onthetestpod.com. Which is coming together. I'm actually learning stuff. Um, I'm trying to get transcripts up. I'm trying to move over our old yeah. blog. Um, it's exciting. She's learning WordPress. I'm learning Photoshop. So be prepared yeah, for some um, So you guys have seen- Content. If you are on so the, much content. If you are on our Instagram, you have seen- um, I'd say for probably half to two thirds of our episodes, I have put up something that is like a picture. I'm going to have Austin start trying his hand at that. No. Like, okay. Um, and I, I was using Canva. Um, so no matter what, 
even if he just draws a stick figure or types a word into it, it is still more impressive. Not because Canva isn't amazing. Canva is amazing, but I didn't have to do any of the actual work because Canva makes it so easy. Hey, Canva, sponsor us. Yeah. Our, uh, our listener would love to use Canva. Hey, Photoshop, uh, I made some really weird pop art images of Nicolas Cage. Sponsor me. NFTs, baby. NFTs. NFTs. Oh, guys, if you've not seen the commercial for the Nicolas Cage movie about Nicolas Cage, go and Google that right now because it is the best thing to happen in 2022. And it's not related to NFTs, as far as we know. As far as we know. They like collapsed by like $4 trillion. Like They had a phenomenal collapse, and I, I'm for it. And then we are also on Twitter at on the test pod, and that is the easiest way to reach us. Yes, we have a contact form on our website, but I'm going to be frank with you guys. Like, I'm when I first started trying to figure out this podcasting thing, I signed up for like 300 different websites. I'll probably lose your email because it doesn't notify me when I've got one that is not from one of these. Um, so the best way to reach me is via Twitter. Either like you can slide into my DMs if you want, I guess. Uh, please don't send me any dick pics unless it's like of Andy Dick. Uh, no, no, I don't. No, not no, that's, him. That's actually worse. Dick than... Van Dyke. If you send me all the Dick Van Dyke pictures. Yeah. Also, if 2022 takes Dick Van Dyke from me, I am burning this place to the ground. I don't know what place I'm burning to the ground, but I'm burning it. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, I'm going to come out and straight up say, like, I would rather receive pictures of genitalia than a picture of Andy Dick. Yes. But Dick Van Dyke. That is all we want is just a flood of photos of Dick Van Dyke sent to us uh, from any age of his. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just... He's uh, he's he's the light. And if you have not read his first memoir, um, which I don't remember what it's called. I think it's still called something like Still Dancing. Um, he reads the audiobook. You should listen to it. I think I've talked about it before. I just, yeah. I just love him so much. Um, so, yeah, you can message me on Twitter is the easiest way to reach me. Um, also, I deleted Facebook a few days ago. Not fully. It's just deleted from my phone um, because I was going mad. So I um, <laughs> I am checking the Facebook and I am posting things. You had a full-on feud with someone in the cleaning group. They were being mean to somebody else. I don't tolerate people being mean for no reason. She was calling this person a failure because they asked a question that that was like basically, I have a business marketing question. Um, how do I do this? Now, business, mar- like the kind of marketing she was talking about is actually what I do. So I had an answer. And, but this person was like, well, you wouldn't need the answer to this question if you were actually good at your job. And I'm like, oh, bitch. She was not talking to me. She was talking to that person. I'm like, marketing is not intuitive. I'm learning something new every day. And you don't be mean to somebody for no reason. No. Not in front of me. Austin can tell you what happens. Like, Ugh. and I will admit, I'm not the nicest person on the world in the world, but like, you don't be mean to someone in front of me. No. Looking at you, abuela. Abuela. Which I think you've got a blog now, too, where you're... I do have a blog. I've not posted anything yet. Um, and it is just me still learning WordPress, but I'm learning... Okay, so our website, on thetestpod.com is the purchased level of WordPress. And then my blog is the unpurchased level of WordPress. So I'm kind of trying to learn both at the same time. Um, my blog has no post on it yet. I'm getting those, I'm writing a few and then I'm going to start timing them to post themselves. Um, but they are based on my 7 PM rants for the most part, which we've talked about on the show. Like I, a topic gets stuck in my head. The first one is probably going to be about how I think I might've killed Bob Saget. (gasps) And I am extremely upset about this. Yeah. It's like, it's, it is disturbing how often she predicts celebrity deaths. 
not and the worst part is it's not just celebrity deaths it's natural disasters and even on one case the death of somebody that we knew in real life who was perfectly healthy and younger than us um so on that terrifying note i guess we'll see you in two weeks because we are doing this every other week now and class class dismissed. dismissed maddie can see your dad we don't talk about maddie